Dr. John Whitcomb continues an intriguing message called Truth is Greater Than Love on this edition of Encounter God's Truth. It's part of our new series called Basic Biblical Distinctions, and it deals with questions that will have a profound effect upon our Christian lives and ministries, such as how we are to find the balance between truth and love and how we can truly show love to those we seek to serve. My name is Wayne Shepherd, and we're so glad to welcome you into this half hour of biblical encouragement from Whitcomb Ministries. Our purpose is to proclaim boldly that God's Word is true from the beginning to the end. This series that we continue today was recorded live at a conference that Dr. Whitcomb presented at Grace Bible Church in Elkhart, Indiana. We want to thank them again for enabling us to broadcast it to you here on Encounter God's Truth. Today, Dr. Whitcomb discusses the issue of Christians who practice truth without love, as opposed to those who seek to exhibit love but compromise the truth. Our aim in studying these issues is to obey the exhortation given by the Apostle Paul to be speaking the truth in love. We're finding that Paul also gave us a strategy for handling the truth when he told Timothy, his favorite disciple, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. In that light, let's listen to part two of the message, Truth is Greater Than Love. Dr. Whitcomb begins with a brief review, taking us to Ephesians chapter 4. Turn to Ephesians 4 now. Ephesians 4. Look how Paul deals with this matter of truth. My. Ephesians chapter 4, friends. And let's begin with verse 11. This is powerful. When Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead, 40 days later, he did what? Ascended to heaven. Now watch what happened when he went back to heaven. You ready? He gave some as apostles. I mean, he gave gifts to the church. Farewell, church. I'm going to leave you some gifts. Now watch what they were. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Wait a minute, there's somebody missing. He didn't give any lovers. Just truthers. <laughs> Indoctrinators. <laughs> teachers. Do you catch it? Apostles were special teachers who had been with Jesus for three and a half years. Okay? Well, then, 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 then who are these prophets? They're men like Mark and Luke, who had special revelation from God to write portions of Scripture, and James, you remember, and Jude. Okay? And the author of Hebrews, okay, prophets. Number three, who else did he send? A- a- an evangelist who went around leading people to the Lord and st- planting churches everywhere. A- and pastors and teachers who would follow them up and stay there for years if necessary to indoctrinate, teach them, and build the local churches. But the emphasis is what people who would communicate revealed truth. You say, well, where's love? Okay, keep reading. What's, what's the truth for? Are you ready? Verse 12. It's for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of what? The faith, which is a body of revealed truth called the Bible, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, things that we know about Him that somebody taught us, see? To a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, so that we're not any longer what? Now, don't be this. Next verse. Watch it. And as a result, we are no longer to be children 
tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking what? The truth. But wait, wait a minute, Dr. Whitcomb, you, did, you didn't finish that verse. Speaking the truth in love. Oh, that's the ultimate will of God. Speak the truth, 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 but speak it in love. In love. Don't speak love. Speak truth in love. Now, that is so important because that's the way the church will grow. Now, now look, look, at, look at verse uh, 15 and 16. Are you there? Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. He's the head of the body, the church from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love. Now, at this point, friends, we, we take one glance at this statement, because I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of 1 Corinthians 13, so am I, which says, And now abideth these three, Faith, hope, and what? Love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. But you know the, you, you do know the central verse of the chapter, don't you? Watch this. Love rejoices with the truth. You know what that chapter ends with? Faith, hope, and love are virtues. But a virtue can't exist without truth. Truth is the ultimate frame of reference within which each virtue, faith, you have to believe something. Hope, you have to believe something. Love, you have to implement truth to somebody if you really love them. You give them the right medicine, the right dosage, the right message if you really love people. Because love rejoices in what? Truth. Truth is therefore greater than love. That's the point. Truth is infinitely superior to virtues because without truth, virtues mean nothing. See, that's one of our problems in America today. Many parents, millions of parents would say, we love our children. Well, that's fine. Well, what are you doing for them? Well, we just let them watch whatever they want to do and do whatever they do. We would never spank them or confront them or hurt them because they're so, so precious and so you don't love them. You, you're not loving them. You're destroying them. So be very careful, friends, what, what we do with that word, I love you, or I love them, my children, or my loved ones, or my friends. God says, now be very careful here. If you really love people biblically, you will do for them what is necessary for their salvation, edification, spiritual growth, maturing in the gospel of truth. Thank you, Lord. I got the point. I got the point. Okay? Now, this is one of the most difficult passages for me in the New Testament. Let's turn to Philippians 1. You, you, you're in Ephesians. Next book, Philippians, chapter 1. Paul is now in prison in Rome. He has crossed the Mediterranean Sea, almost shipwrecked. Well, he was really. But he finally arrived in the capital city, the Roman Empire, where the emperor lived. And he's in prison. Okay. What was he doing in prison? He wrote to his favorite supporting church in Philippi. 
this letter. Now watch. Are you ready? Let's begin with verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. I mean, Paul just won't quit. He, he just, he's obsessed with what? Getting the gospel to people everywhere. So each night he got chained to a different guard. And guess what happened to the guard? <laughs> he got evangelized. <laughs> I mean, what a blessing to be a guard chained to the Apostle Paul all night. <laughs> he got the whole counsel of God from Genesis to whatever. <laughs> uh, really? Uh, yes, look at the next verse. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. My, true Christians in, the, in Rome have heard that I have arrived in Rome as the apostle of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And many of them, now no, no, careful here, not all, now watch this, most of the brethren, most of the brethren have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Now, here we go. This gets a little complicated. It's, this is the, uh, the A group right here. Every place an evangelist, a missionary, a Christian goes, he'll find maybe at least three groups of Christians. Here's the A group. And the, uh, tonight, Pastor, there's nobody here except the A group. Now watch. Amen. <laughs> they have goodwill. They love... The Apostle Paul, they know what they're preaching. They have pure motives. They are doing. They're, they're, they have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. This is the A group. Okay. But wait a minute. There's another group of Christians in the area who don't like you. They feel threatened by you. This man is going to compete with me in my ministry. He's going to take my sheep from me. I mean, I'm the preacher in town, and here's somebody else coming to town preaching, and I don't like that. I, I, I'm number one. Oh, you say, oh, no, not, not a real preacher. Yeah, these are people who preach the truth without love. Now watch. Here we go. This is, good. This is hard. Are you there? Verse 15. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. That's the A group. The latter do it out of love, the A group, knowing I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. But the former, the B group, now watch this group now. These are real Christians who know, who know the truth. Now watch what they are doing to Paul. Verse 17. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? What do I do about that? Now watch. Verse 18, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, whether they love me or don't love me, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice, and I will rejoice. Now, Paul, why aren't you disgusted with these Christians who are preaching the true gospel, but they don't like you? Paul says, I don't care whether they like me or not. That's not what I'm here for. I appreciate people who love me and appreciate me and endorse my ministry. But if they are truly preaching... Now, these are not heretics. These are not cultists now. These are people who are preaching Christ. And Paul wouldn't say that if they weren't. 
They preach Christ. They're winning people to Christ, even if they don't like me. They preach the truth without love. Wow. I rejoice in people who preach the truth, whether they love me or don't. Because what? Truth is greater than love. Wow. Now, now watch. Here we go. There's a third group, though, that isn't even described. It's so bad. You say, what do you mean a third group? Now, it's implied. You see back there in verse 14, you remember it says, most of the brethren, see, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some don't like me, some do like me, but they're preaching the truth. But, but there's, a, there's another group that is not motivated to preach the truth. See? I mean, they're, they're born-again people. But they're, they're compromising the truth. Now watch. This is what I call the D group. You know, when I used to teach, if you got a D, it was sort of like you got an F. I mean, you're at the bottom. You just barely scrape through. See? Now, now watch the D group. You ready? Lacks toward truth. Compromisers of truth. Afraid, see, to speak the truth to people. Indifferent to the gospel. They want to be popular and accepted and use worldly methods. See? That group right there. You see, Dr. Whitcomb, are, are you serious that there are Christians, I mean, born-again Christians who are like that? Oh, yes. Everywhere. Everywhere. And I say, Lord, how amazing that people who have come to Jesus and are born again should compromise God's precious, infallible, eternal, written revelation of truth. Well, it's everywhere. Compromise of truth. Churches, yes. But don't, don't be shocked if you go to such a church and say, Sir, please, would you tell me what you believe about the Bible, about the creation of the world, about the coming of the kingdom, about uh, this, 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 and this? You'd be shocked. You'd be shocked. And I say, now, now you know, we, in God's merciful providence in our home, we, uh, we used to live in Winona Lake down there in Warsaw. Ever heard of Winona Lake? It's down that way, 50 miles or so. <laughs> We, we lived right next to a tiny little pond, see, on, on, on Arbor Lane. And in the wintertime, this pond would freeze over. And uh, the boys liked to go out on that ice and skate and so forth. And one of them said something awful. He said, Dad, how close to the edge of the ice can I get without falling in? <laughs> oh, no, you've already fallen in. With a mentality, how close to the edge can I get without falling in? You're already in. By the way, that's very dangerous to fall inside of a lake with ice on top of you. That's like serious. <laughs> you don't say to God, how little do I have to believe to be a born-again Christian and go to heaven? You don't, you don't ask that question. You don't talk to God that way. So Paul says now, I just want you to know, dear reader, that... Uh, that's what I found in Rome. You Philippians, pray for me. That I can be the right kind of a testimony to speak the truth in love. Like the A group does. All right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You see, it's sort of like what he said to Timothy, his favorite disciple. Now, now watch what he said to Timothy and what the ecumenical, semi-liberal group would say. Are you ready? Timothy? 
the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, Paul plus others, that we learn from whom? From God. Now, now, now watch, watch this chain of command here. You ready? God told Paul and others things to tell Timothy. And Timothy, the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, uh, do what? Commit to faithful men. Not everyone. Faithful men. Well, what's a faithful man? A man who can do what? Teach others also. Now watch this. The blocks remain the same size as you go down. See? What we learned from God, we told you. We didn't compromise anything. We didn't leave anything. We told you everything, Timothy. We teachers. And Timothy, you do the same. You teach everything God taught us that we taught you to faithful men. So that the faithful men can do what? Teach others everything that you taught them that we taught you. I mean, we're going down the line here. Block, block, block. We don't get the boxes smaller. Okay. But the ecumenical group, the compromising group of Christians, now remember, we're just talking about born-again Christians, not people who merely profess to be. Look at their mentality. Uh, oh, they would say, yeah, God did talk to Paul. We believe that. But Paul didn't have to tell people, Timothy, everything God said. I mean, many things in the Bible are controversial and difficult. He just picked out the, the clearest things, the least... Con he just told him the essentials. See, whatever that is. So, Timothy, you don't, you don't have to tell everybody everything. Just pick out the things that are more relevant, more appropriate, more pleasant, more acceptable. Leave out the controversial hard things. And after a while, you get down here. When Jesus said this, this is terrifying. It's because of this mentality right here, which is characteristic of most, careful now, of most Protestant denominations in America today, most. Some compromise to some extent or other. And Jesus said it this way. Now, this is scary. When the Son of Man returns to the earth, will he find the faith, the faith on the earth? Now, that's not faith, the faith. This. Will he find anyone who believes the whole Bible, who teaches the Bible accurately, Carefully, faithfully, Genesis to Revelation. Will he find anybody? And I'm sort of saying, Lord, with your help, I want to be one of those. Please. And we say, Lord, help me to be faithful in what I teach to my disciples. Of course, my own biological children, thank the Lord, all six of them know the, know the Lord and praise so much that God will help us to entrust to them everything God has given to us without streamlining it, see, minimizing it, compromising it along the way. Okay? Why? Because truth cannot be perpetuated by compromise. It's impossible. And compromise cannot be avoided without separation. And for 1,400 years, God taught Israel, you see, don't compromise with the Gentiles, with the heathen, with the pagan, with their false religion. Don't, 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 don't. And finally, the Israel... The, the northern ten tribes were carried off into captivity. They've never returned to this day that we know of, for sure. Because we don't know what tribes are in Israel today. But I hope some of them are there. Okay? They'll be identified when the two witnesses come, you know, in Revelation 11 and so forth. But uh, the, the southern two tribes finally were carried off to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar because they compromised, compromised the word. See? Now, in the New Testament, over and over and over again, 
God says, don't you dare compromise my word. So John the Baptist came along and said, you generation of vipers who has warned you to escape the damnation of hell. He was not an ecumenical preacher. <laughs> and people didn't like him very much. And as a result of that, he lost, he finally lost his what? Oh. You say, well, he was just, he wasn't my ideal. I mean, he was too harsh. Oh, really? You know what Jesus said of him? No man ever born of women is greater than John. He was a bright and shining light. He compromised never. Oh. Okay. Jesus said, I have come to bring a sword to divide people from one another because of truth. Okay. Because... I'm going to build my church on this rock of confession that I am the son of the living God on truth. Solid foundation. Okay. Paul at Ephesus 19.9 when he was tempted to compromise to keep the crowd because many were opposing his teaching in Ephesus. He separated the disciples. You remember that? And started a separate school at the school of Tyrannus for two years to teach people who were teachable. He lost the crowd. See? And focused on those who were genuinely interested in being taught the word. Don't evaluate a church by how many people come. I'm not saying that a large church is necessarily apostate. I'm just saying be careful about the numbers game. See? Watch those who compromise the word and turn away from them. Watch that. And you people there in Corinth, you better take care of that man who compromised in his life, his testimony for Christ, because he is to be disciplined, confronted. You say, well, Dr. Wickham, if we discipline everybody for everything, we would soon lose our members. God says, watch me. I can handle that with you. If you trust me, I will help you to discipline in the line of truth, lovingly, carefully, patiently, and effectively, but only in the truth. And, you know, you just keep going down these passages where Paul over and over again tells people, look, uh, let, let's, let's never, ever play loosely with God's written revelation. And I say, Lord, help me to understand this. Because this is one of the most difficult things a pastor has to do. Pray for your pastor. I mean, this is very hard to confront people with the possibility, what? That they won't accept that and leave the church. That's very, pray for your pastor that he will have courage, faithfulness, diligence to confront known error, see, and give biblical medicine, loving discipline in the truth. And I say, Lord, what about these ecumenical proof texts then? They have Bible, they have a Bible too that they appeal to. And they say, well, don't you biblical fundamentalists believe in John 13, which says what? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have what? If you have love one for another. Oh, but they have misinterpreted what Jesus meant, you see. Because he goes on chapter after chapter in John 13, John 14, John 15, John 6. And telling you, the way you love people is to tell them the truth about God, you see. Now, here's an example of how all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Take a, 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 
a missionary's family. Now, my dear wife Norma and her first husband were faithful, diligent missionaries for 11 years in the Philippines and uh, with her two sons. Of course, when Robert, her husband, came back to study at Grace Seminary, he he was an outstanding doctoral student. One night he went out job, jogging and dropped dead of a heart attack, left his two boys with no father. The following year, my dear wife died, left me with four, three sons and a daughter. And uh, in 1971, in God's mercy, we merged our two families together, at which time our, our children were 10 and 12 and 13, 14, 15 and 16. We're still recovering after 40 years of this. <laughs> Jesus prayed that all of his followers would be one. We're learning what that means in this message called Truth is Greater Than Love. And we'll begin there next week on Encounter God's Truth when we conclude this lesson, the latest in our series on basic biblical distinctions. Remember that you can hear all the programs in this series as well as any past broadcast in our archive at sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb. You can find that webpage easily from our main website, whitcombministries.org. And we'd also love to have you follow us throughout the week at facebook.com slash Ministries. We invite you to make use of all these resources and tell your friends on social media about our radio program and all that you've learned from it. That's a great way to show that you understand how love is displayed by the proclamation of biblical truth. Now, for Dr. John Whitcomb, I'm Wayne Shepherd, trusting that you've been encouraged by our broadcast today. Please join us again next time for another dynamic encounter with God's truth.